0: now the sound of movies with today's host Joan Andrews
1: welcome to the sound of movies where we play for you the music heard behind the scenes of feature films today we'll listen to the music of the natural from 1984 The story of The Natural is based on the novel entitled The Natural by Bernard Malamud. The music of The Natural was composed by Randy Newman. We'll start with the music of the prologue and a summary of the story. The Natural is a story about a baseball player, Roy Hobbs. At 19, Hobbs was a promising ball player on his way to stardom in the big leagues. But before he ever arrives, his dreams are shattered by a mysterious woman and her gun. 16 years later, Roy Hobbs gets back into baseball. Armed with his childhood bat, Wonderboy, he gets to join the roster of the lowly New York Knights. The manager of the team, Pop, believes himself to be a jinxed man. And taking on a 35-year-old rookie doesn't improve his spirits. Pop needs to win the pennant this year or he'll lose the whole team to his nefarious business partner, the judge. The judge, it is clear, will stop at nothing to make sure he gets that team. At the opening of the story, we see a young boy in a wheat field joyfully catching a baseball. The image fades. and the next scene, a middle-aged man is standing outside an abandoned farmhouse. We soon realize this man is the grown-up version of the young boy playing baseball. We get a number of scenes with him growing up on this farm playing baseball with his father, with a young neighbor girl, Iris, cheering him on. His father tells him he has a gift for the game, but if he doesn't work hard on it, the gift will be wasted. The boy listens to his father and does work hard on the game. He is shattered, however, when his father dies of a heart attack one day under a tree outside the house. That tree is struck by lightning that evening, and the next day, the broken-hearted young boy carves a bat from the wood of that tree. He burns in a lightning strike and the name Wonder Boy. Quickly thereafter, We see Roy and Iris, as teenagers, celebrating the news that Roy has received a tryout with the Chicago Cubs. He's to leave on the train the next day. When we see Roy next, he's not so celebratory. He's that middle-aged man who'd come back to the abandoned farmhouse. We see he's come back to the house to collect that bat he'd made as a child, the bat Wonderboy, and then he leaves on the train again, remembering what happened on that train the first time. At first it was an exciting trip on the train. He met the Whammer, the top hitter in the major leagues at the time. And when the train stops at a carnival, he ends up taking on the challenge of trying to strike out the Whammer. And to everyone's surprise and awe, he does. But that first train trip doesn't end so triumphantly for Roy Hobbs. He meets a mysterious woman, and when they get to Chicago, she invites him to her hotel room. When he arrives there, she shoots him. When we see Roy next, it's 16 years later. He's 35 years old and has just been called up to the Majors to play for the hapless New York Knights. The manager of the New York Knights, Pop Fisher, wasn't so thrilled to get the 35-year-old rookie, Roy Hobbs. He barely let him practice, let alone play. But one day, frustrated by the laziness of his star player, Bump Bailey, He sat him down and told Roy to get up to bat. Eagerly, Roy picked up Wonder Boy and stepped up to the plate. And to the wonderment of all, he tore the cover off the ball. Literally. Roy Hobbs is now the toast of the major leagues. And that means he's attracted the attention of the beautiful Memo Paris. Memo is Pop's niece, and though he loves her, he warns Roy she's bad news. Pop doesn't know the least of it. Memo is in cahoots with the judge and the inveterate gambler, Gus Sands. They're all motivated by money. And though Memo does come to care for Roy, she cares for money more. Perhaps Pop was wrong about Memo, or perhaps he was right. So Roy Hobbs is smitten with Memo Paris, despite the warnings he heard about her. At the very least, he should have noticed she wasn't good for his career, as shortly after starting to see Memo, he goes into a batting slump. But that all changes in Chicago at Wrigley Field. Up to bat in the ninth inning, down by one with two men on and two strikes, Roy Hobbs feels a presence from the stand. He can just make out a lady in white with the sun streaming through her hat. Something's good about that lady in white. And his hitting slump is over. With one swing of the bat, he crushes the clock on the outfield scoreboard. Roy Hobbs is back. Even as Hobbs rounds the bases, he's trying to get his eyes on that lady in white. The crowd and the flash of the cameras get in his way, and she's gone. But fortunately, the lady in white sends him a note in the locker room. there to meet at a corner drugstore in downtown Chicago. When he walks in, he's amazed. The lady in white is Iris, his hometown girlfriend. Now Roy knows why he felt so good at bat that day. They reminisce over some lemonade, and Roy leaves hoping Iris will come again, like she always did, to watch him play. While Roy does get his wish, Iris does come back the next day. Roy is able to tell Iris the true story of his life, the mysterious woman on the train and all. Iris tells Roy that she has a son. Though his father lives in New York, she's been thinking that he needs his father now. Roy agrees. He says, sure, a father makes all the difference. Roy, of course, would like to stay and meet Iris, his son. Iris doesn't think that's such a good idea. So Roy leaves Iris again for the train and to baseball. But it's much better baseball this time. Roy Hobbs can do no wrong, and Pop Fisher's Knights are finally in a pennant race. So the Knights are one game away from clinching the pennant. The team is in a celebratory mood. Memo hosts a party for everyone that includes Roy and Gus Sands, the gambler. At the party, Gus makes it clear to Roy that losing the game the next day would be beneficial to both of them. Roy makes it clear to Gus he's not interested. But Gus doesn't like to be disappointed. And Memo knows that Gus pays the bills. So Memo does what Gus asks. She feeds Roy the poison, literally. Four days later, Roy wakes up in a hospital to find the Knights have lost three games in a row. The pennant race has come down to the last game of the series. Even more shocking, Roy gets news from the doctor that playing in that final game may prove fatal to him, as they found a silver bullet in his stomach, and it's done serious damage. To help him decide whether he should play or not, he gets a number of visitors. Memo stops by to beg him not to play. She assures him Gus will stake the two of them a tidy sum of money and they can live happily ever after. Roy understands Memo now. Next, the judge comes. The judge is also willing to stake a large sum of money to keep Roy from playing. His teammates come and visit, and though they want Roy to play, they want what's best for Roy. And finally, Iris comes to visit. She just wants him to know she and her son will be there for him. To no one's surprise, Roy decides to play. game isn't going so well for the New York Knights or Roy Hobbs. It's the seventh inning, Pittsburgh two, New York nothing. Then while in the dugout, Roy gets a note. It's from Iris. She wants him to know that her son is his son too. It's stunning news for Roy, but he knows now that he's playing the game of baseball for more than just his own glory. It's the bottom of the ninth now. The Knights are still down by two, with two men on and two outs. And Roy Hobbs is at bat with two strikes. His next swing is a blast down the right field line, but it's foul. And now, his bat Wonderboy is broken. After a momentary shock, Roy shrugs it off. He knows now there's more to life than baseball, and he can swing with any bat. And now the pitcher holds the ball, and now he lets it go. And now the air is shattered with the force of Roy Hobbs' blow. Going. Going. Gone. When the celebration is over, we next see Roy back in the wheat fields, playing catch. This time, he's the father. We leave you with the music of the credits of The Natural. Thank you for listening to the music of The Natural. Stay tuned for a special reprise on The Sound of Movies. Of the Natural is based on the novel entitled *The Natural* by Bernard Malamud. The music of *The Natural* was composed by Randy Newman. Thank you for listening to the music of *The Natural*.
0: The sound of movies is a production of the Front Porch People. Listen to more great conversations at thefrontporchpeople.com. Thank you for listening.